We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Woo! Coming here Saturday night after a double overtime Timberwolves win against the Philadelphia 76ers. Final score Timberwolves 121, Sixers 120. There are there are a million weird anecdotes I could start talking to you about here. Uh the entire Wolves front court basically falling out of the game. That very bizarre close to the end of the first overtime. Joel Embiid shooting five more free throws than than the entire Wolves team. It was it, it was a wild game. I I honestly don't even really remember it all as I sit here to record this. But I know the thing to not only acknowledge but focus on here to start tonight is D'Angelo Russell. That was. That was his best game as a Timberwolf, and honestly, maybe the best game of his entire career. Like, yes, he's scored more than 35 points in a game many times before. He scored, just looked it up, he scored 35-plus points six times that year. He was an all-star in Brooklyn. But the difference tonight was that it wasn't all offense for him. It wasn't all about buckets, and we've been talking about this. Like, that's been the difference for D'Angelo Russell this season. He's having positive impacts on games this year, even when he isn't getting buckets. Again, he has that insane net rating this year, all season long. You know, coming coming into tonight, the Wolves have been outscoring opponents by 12.5 points per 100, possession when, 100 possessions when he's on the floor. And when he's off the floor, they've been outscored by 12.5 points per 100 possessions. I mean, he's all year been finding other ways to help, even when his shot isn't falling. And... It definitely was falling tonight. He had 15 points in the fourth quarter. He was three of five from two, three of three from three in that quarter, driving the Wolves to overtime. In the first overtime, he had eight points, one of two from two, two of three from three. And then in the second overtime, he scored four more big points, where he was one of two from deep. You know, overall, just just in the fourth and those overtimes, D'Lo scored 27 points efficiently, four of seven from two. Six of eight from three. And he was being this big. Like Matisse Thibel is like the poster boy for, you know, perimeter defense. Well, Thibel was on D'Angelo Russell when when D'Lo was going off. But again, I want to point out it wasn't just the scoring. And it wasn't just that D'Lo was clutch. Like that 
was those were the things that old D'Lo did. This was D'Angelo Russell's best game of his career, in my opinion, because he was playing really good, really smart defense as well. Like, yeah, he made all those buckets. We've seen that before. But the intellect he used to pick off that pass from Tyrese Maxey to Joel Embiid that led to the Torian Prince run out for the layup, like, that was the play of the game. And that was a smart, defensive-minded play that absolutely had nothing to do with getting buckets. I'm just extremely impressed with D'Lo's performance tonight on a night where the Wolves absolutely needed that performance to be able to win the game on the road in Philadelphia. And, you know, Cat felt the same way post-game. I thought he summed it up well in his post-game comments. That's the best. That's probably one of the best D'Angelo Russell performances I've ever seen. And listen, I've, I've seen him get 50 against, against us. But that was the, the difference between this game and that game But I just talked to him about is the fact that the defense he played as well as the offense he gave us. I think that, you know, it's so big when you have someone like D'Angelo where, you know, let's be honest, we've all seen him play and it'd be like, all right, we got to take D'Lo out for a defensive sub for this moment. And it came to a point where the game was on the line and me, uh, Finch, and all of us were like, D'Lo's the best person to be in the game right now for defense. That says a lot. That says a lot of his growth as a player, uh, how much he wanted to win. And, I mean, it's cold-blooded. He did exactly what he's supposed to do. It was definitely the D'Angelo Russell show down the stretch of that game, but also, you know, credit to Cat to skip over what Cat did tonight would also, that wouldn't be fair. Uh, I, I think we've spent a lot of time this season kind of harping on some of the things that are different this year with this kind of thinner version of Cat, the things maybe he can't do or isn't doing as often, like dropping 20 pounds this offseason has played a role in Cat rebounding the ball at a career low rate, right? Uh, losing that weight also seems to have come with some cost to Cat not necessarily really being able to bully guys on the interior and really dominate on the block and post-up situations like he used to. He's he's shooting a career low from two-point range this season. But at the same time, what is clear about this sleeker version of Cat is that he cannot be guarded by traditional centers when he's on the perimeter. He just he just can't. I mean, we've seen him multiple times torch Jonas Valanciunas, multiple times torch Steven Adams. And, you know, Joel Embiid is definitely a tier ahead of those guys, but kind of in that same hulking center mold. And I just thought it was, I, I just thought it was super encouraging to see Cat do the same things he did to Valanciunas and Adams to Joel Embiid, who is as a defender and a tier above those guys. I mean, Cat is just too quick and too much of a shooting threat on the perimeter. His, his speed makes even a player of Embiid's caliber need to pick their poison. And tonight, yet again, we saw an opponent try and guard Cat with their center, and Cat had 17 first-half points without missing a shot. Seven of seven going into halftime. I mean, I say this every night on the show, but the way to slow down the Wolves, to slow down Cat, is to put a small on him and bring doubles. And yet again, like too late tonight, the Sixers moved to that in the second half. They put Tobias Harris on Cat, let Embiid linger around the rim, like half-guarding Vanderbilt or McDaniels, and that's when the Sixers went on their run. You know, we usually talk about that happening in the like a negative context for the Wolves. Like, this is how you stop the Wolves. But I think what I feel like I learned tonight was that he did it against Embiid. So, so that's just a that's just a higher level 
which means that if the Wolves do figure out how to counter these small ball defensive things on Cat, like, I think that's the final step in the Wolves becoming that offense that we've been waiting for them to explode to be because, you know, Cat has capital S solved how to beat being single teamed in the NBA by any center in the league. If Embiid can't do it, like, I don't, I don't know what else you really need to see. Like, once the Wolves solve this cat guarded by smalls things, like, it's a wrap. Like, the Wolves are going to be a top 10 offense because they are starting to figure everything else out around that. It's the, it's the last piece of the flow that they need to figure out because that flow that we've talked about all year, that Finch talks about, the players talk about, like, that's that broken flow at the beginning of the year, like, they're mending that together. Cat, Ant, and D'Lo, you know, they're not really having those flow problems anymore. And I thought Torian Prince had a great quote after tonight's game about how they were kind of fighting themselves at the beginning of the season when they were searching for that flow. And that was what was breaking it up. And tonight, again, with what Cat was able to do in the first half and what D'Lo was able to do in the second half, like, yeah, there's kind of one, one goes and the other goes, but... It's happening in better flow. They're not having flow problems anymore. Here's Prince after the game. Dorian, about a month ago, you were talking about how this team was kind of looking for flow still offensively. What strides as a group do you think you've made in terms of finding that offensive flow as a as a group? Uh, well, I think uh, I think a lot of people were panicking just because it was a, within the first five to six, seven games, um, our offense wasn't looking so good. We gotta realize that we're going against uh, each other for a while. So when it comes to the game time, and now you have to play with, um, it's a little adjustment period, especially playing against different defenses, different teams. But um, we started, we're, we're figuring it out. We're, uh, we still have a lot of room to get better, which is a great thing. Um, our key is just staying locked in defensively every night, doing what we do, sticking to our principles, uh, dictating things on defense and then uh, in the offense. The Wolves are now up to 18th in offensive rating for the season after spending, you know, the first month of the year closer to being a bottom five offense in the league. You're kind of seeing over these past two weeks the caliber of team the Wolves can be when they do play offense at a level that matches their defense, the the level of their defense all season. Even if we include that Suns loss, right? Once the Wolves got back from L.A. 13 days ago, you start with that Suns loss. Just in that time, in those 13 days, the Wolves ranked 10th in the NBA on offense and 5th in the NBA on defense. Right? What's the difference there? I mean, the the difference is the offense. The top 10 defense all year is what has been keeping the Wolves around 500. But when you couple that high-level defense with this offense, like... The results speak for themselves. The Wolves are six and two, and even including that Suns loss over the past thirteen days. And Prince is right. There's just there's that, and then there's also still another level to get to with this group. They're still figuring some things out. They're starting to figure out that flow. The, the I don't have a question of if they're going to figure out the flow. My questions now are like, how do you maximize it? We'll take a quick break here because obviously we've got a. Got plenty more things to get into from this game. A lot of new developments, a lot of Joel Embiid. Take a quick break and come come right back. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' one-point double overtime victory over Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers on Saturday night. Uh, if you watched the game, you you saw just how insanely frequent it was that Joel Embiid was getting to the free throw line. And if you didn't watch the game, you're just looking at the box score. You're seeing that Embiid shot 21 free throws while the Wolves as an entire team only shot 16. I mean, I, I think those of you who listen to the show frequently know I never really spend time talking about the refs. I, I kind of think it's typically a waste of time. That's an uncontrollable variable that I don't believe is you know tilted one way or the other typically i think it balances itself out so we don't spend a lot of time analyzing it there's been right there's been plenty of times the wolves haven't got a great whistle this year and for the sake of the show you know i just kind of skip over it because it just is what it is but tonight i really did think it was a part of the game i thought the way Embiid was refereed defined the second half and not just Embiid. not only how often Embiid was getting there and that just became a cheat code for the Sixers offense. But also on the other end, it was just how infrequent the Wolves were getting to the line themselves and how they were being officiated that it really stalled out the the Wolves offense. Like we, we talked a little bit about how, you know, Harris switched on to guarding Cat. And so you had Embiid back at the rim. Well, well now you've got the Wolves players like, afraid to attack the rim because, one, they're not getting any calls. We see that with Ant all the time, right? Plus, you have Embiid back there, and it, it just it made it. So the only way the Wolves were going to be able to score was to get hot from the perimeter, which they did with D'Angelo Russell. But, I mean, if if one of those D'Lo threes don't go in anymore, like, and we're talking about why the Wolves lost, like, I never want to would never want to say the Wolves lost because of the referees, but it would have been, you know, the defining reason. So I, I thought I thought it defined a lot of the game tonight. So we'll let Chris Finch speak his piece here on it. And uh, you know, I think 
I think he had a, a rightful gripe in this. So here's Finch asked about Embiid after the game. Maybe asking this way, uh, how tough is it to guard Joel Embiid without fouling? Um, well, he's got one of the highest foul draw rates in the league. Um, just looking here, he went to the line more than our entire team. Um, you know, he gets a lot of whistle. How do you how do you uh, keep composure when that's happening? Uh, I don't think I was composed. I was pretty I was pretty angry about it all. So. <laughs> I'm definitely acknowledging the fact that it was insane how frequently Embiid got to the line. I mean, he he almost fouled out the entire Wolves front court. Cat fouled out of the game in the fourth quarter. Vanderbilt fouled out in overtime. McDaniel's fouled out in overtime. Nas Reed even had five fouls in the game. But I'm gonna actually take it the other way. I think, like, if we isolate, if we if we take away the defensive possessions where Embiid drew a foul, and we just and there were plenty of Sixers possessions where it wasn't going through Embiid that weren't fouls too. And if we focus on those, like I, I thought, the Wolves did a great job on Embiid. I thought Finch had a great plan for doubling Embiid anytime he caught the ball inside the arc. And I thought the doublers, which was off, oftentimes Anthony Edwards or Jade McDaniels, I thought they executed getting to the double timely and effectively. I thought the rotations following Embiid, you know, needing to kick out after that double team, I thought the Wolves rotated excellent around that. I mean, you isolate for those Embiid touches, you go watch those possessions, and you will see great Wolves defense. And maybe that's just what this Wolves team, you know, it is becoming a high IQ defense that really can situationally be great. This game isn't of good rotations, isn't an isolated thing. It's sticking out to me almost every night. They play aggressive and they rotate well. That's that's this Wolves defensive identity. You know, it's funny for years I've been covering this team and watching them defend every night. And it's broken. And then I, you know, I turn on these other NBA games and it's just night and day different how those other teams defend, how just how it looks, just watching the game, how different it is. But that's not the case anymore. I mean, I watch the Heat play now and I go, hey, that's kind of what it looks like when the Wolves defense is aggressively switching. Or I watch the Nuggets play and I go, yeah, the Wolves defense kind of looks like that, too. You know, it's really taken me a long time here, kind of. I think I blame a little bit of scarring over the years, just being burnt out and not really seeing successful defense almost at all. But I, I, I do think the Wolves are becoming a solid to good defensive team. Or at least that they can be. And I, I, I've found it very encouraging to see them be able to guard tonight on a night when Patrick Beverly was out with an injury and on a night where Josh Okogi didn't have to play at all, and they played good defense. I mean, just think about the other years. Like, if a guy like Okogi was out of the rotation, you were like, well, all right, we're just trying to outscore him. Like, the Wolves have high IQ defensive personnel. You know, shout out Torian Prince. I thought he played well tonight. And they have a pretty deep list of that defensive personnel. They got a group of guys. Which brings me to Leandro Balmaro, who... I think we can now add to that list of defenders. I'm going to make Leo tonight's forgotten star of the game brought to you by forgotten star brewery. Uh, Bone Marl, he was 
because he played. He was the he was the first sub into the game tonight for the Wolves. He was D'Angelo Russell's backup. And this was the first time we'd seen Bomaro play non-garbage minutes at all for the Wolves ever, you know. <laughs> Coming in, into tonight, Bomaro had played 30 minutes this season and all of it was gar- garbage time. But tonight Bomaro played 17 real rotation minutes. His stat line doesn't pop. He made a layup. He made a free throw. He had three points in the night, three boards, one assist. But he didn't look lost out there. I mean, I think he looked a little bit nervous, which is understandable, but he didn't look like a rookie playing against real men for the first time in his life. And that's because it isn't the first time he's been playing pro hoops. You know, Leo just turned 21, but he he's played a lot of meaningful basketball in his life overseas and in the, the Olympics. And you can tell. Now, we're, we're, we're still very much figuring out his game. You know, who is he going to be? How is he going to play? I think tonight we saw some of the things we've been talking about when we've brought up Omaro, like that size and speed to be able to be a defender who pressures the ball 94 feet up the floor. We all, But we also saw some of the other things offensively we talked about, like, you know, he, he's a tepid shooter offensively. If tonight was your first time watching Omaro, you learned that he's not your typical Euro player who's just out there to space the floor and bomb threes. He's not that at all. He's actually really fast. He's a good athlete. He's a good defender. Bomaro really defies more European stereotypes than he defines. And he isn't even European, but he played it played in the, the Euro League last year. But still, I, I don't want to pretend that I have his game figured out. We're learning. And quite frankly, we still just haven't seen that much of him. So tonight, when Kat was up doing his post game, I, I asked him about Bomaro. And, and I thought Kat gave a really interesting player comp. Here's Kat. For those of us who haven't got a chance to really see him play a lot, could, could you describe to us what you've seen his game be in practice and in the, in the situations where we, we haven't got the chance to, to see him? What can he bring? I think, yeah, I think the, way, the best way to explain uh, Leah's aspect to everyone is he's one of those guys, he's just, he has no flaws in his game. He's good at everything. He may not be great or a superstar or anything, but he's He's very good or even good at everything. He has no flaws. He's a very, very, very well-rounded player. He can give you anything you need. You need some shots to go in. He could he could cause some, uh, make some shots. He, you know, you need him to play defense at a high level. He could do that, obviously, tonight. You need him to facilitate, lead an offense, uh, get everyone organized and stuff. He could do that. Um, I mean, he's a complete package. Uh, he's a complete package. He does everything uh, extremely well. And um, we're very fortunate to have him, especially someone like that who you could trust at any moment. To go in, I've looked at. I, I personally, I've looked at him. If, if he could be what Sean Livingston was to the Warriors in their run, I want him to be that for us. I want him to be someone who could come in and just completely take control of the game and, and, and do everything well that we need him to do. Kind of mad I didn't come up with that comp myself because the way I would describe Bomaro offensively is a player who is just as comfortable with his mid range shot as he is uncomfortable with his three point shot. And I mean, that's pretty much my recollection recollection of Sean Livingston like to a T and obviously the defense as well I mean you can take this for whatever it's worth because it's just my eye test but when I go to Timberwolves games I get there at 445 and I go to the court to watch pregame workouts and that happens to be Bomaro's workout time so I've seen him work out and shoot with Pablo Prigioni his player development coach as much as I've watched any Wolves player this whole year and some of you might remember in past years, 
me talking a lot about Jared Culver's shot. And that was because I got to watch it a lot. Like Culver's workout time used to be 4.45 too. So I saw all of that over the years. And what I'll say with Bomaro is that watching him shoot, you can just really tell where he's comfortable from. And my takeaway from watching him is just that the added distance to the NBA three has like definitely been an, an adjustment for him. You can tell he really needs to like launch the ball to get it to go 24 feet. So yeah, like, is that a little bit concerning? Sure. But it also kind of makes sense, right? Like he was shooting at a shorter distance from three every year of his career before this. And also to that end, it kind of makes sense that his corner threes look more natural, but the corners are two feet closer. I mean, I'm not sitting there like tallying makes and misses when he's doing his pregame workouts, but I can tell you that the corner threes go in a lot more often than the above the break ones do. So I think, you know, however you want to look at it, glass half full, like maybe he's finding that range. That's going to take a little bit of time, but he's going to find it. And even glass half empty, I think what, that's what's encouraging to me is that I can still see a useful player if he is someone who is just a mid-range guy, who is just a corner guy to start. I mean, we'll see. It's it's going to be, the proof will be in the pudding. But tonight, I thought it was really encouraging to see confidence in his overall game tonight and really that's the biggest defense between Leandro Balmaro and Jared Culver. So Leandro Balmaro is in his first real game as a Timberwolf. He is tonight's forgotten star of the game. And I just, I look forward to learning more about Balmaro's game as we see him play more. I see, I see no reason that he wouldn't be in the rotation this entire time that Patrick Beverly's out. Forgotten Star Brewery is located in Fridley, Minnesota. Uh, they give listeners to this show a dollar off beers if you mention the show. So if you're looking for a new brewery, check out Forgotten Star, open seven days a week at noon. We'll wrap up uh, a couple other notes on tonight's game, kind of going through my prize picks. I took the over on D'Angelo Russell points tonight and the under on D'Lo assists. My thinking here was that this was going to be a game where D'Lo has to be an offensive creator creating his own shot. We've, we've kind of seen in a lot of games this year, like when he's getting his 20 plus, his assist numbers normally are down a little bit more. You know, it's picking one of the two. I, I thought this would be a night where he'd be able to get his his 20 for sure uh, because we know D. Loken Cook drop coverage, right? And that's that's what the Sixers run. So he hit the over on 18.5 points there for D. Lo, but he also went over six assists, finished the night with eight, I believe. So I missed that one. The other pick I was wrong about was Jared Vanderbilt over 6.5 points. My thinking there was that there would be a little bit more offensive usage for Vanderbilt tonight or just overall more minutes because when I did these picks, it was trending in the direction toward Cat not playing in the game. Uh, Vanderbilt, I still think, had a good game. Uh, he had 14 rebounds, but only ended up scoring five points in the night. Uh, and per usual, his impact was more felt on the glass. The other pick I got right to go two for two was, I thought, I think this is an interesting thing to kind of monitor going forward. I, I picked over six points for Danny Green tonight because what we've been seeing lately in these these past few games is that smart three-point spacers are effectively kind of moving into the gaps uh, around the three-point arc. Uh, that's kind of what the Wolves perimeter defense allows right now. We saw Duncan Robinson punish that in the Miami game. We saw Kelly Oubre also do that in the Charlotte game. 
And Danny Green did tonight, too. He made three threes, scored 11 points on the night. So um, as we kind of think about Indiana on Monday, like I kind of, you know, what's that going to look like for Justin Holiday um, and, and spacing the floor? Because I think like some of the other things with the Wolves on offense and on defense, once the film gets out there a little bit, I think the opposing coaches know how to kind of wiggle their way into some of those crevices. And I think what they're learning is if they have their perimeter shooters rotating along the perimeter towards the weak side, there's going to be a lot of open looks there. Again, that's what Robinson Oubre and Danny Green have been able to do these past three games. So overall, that's two and two on the night, which gets us to 35, 37 and two on the season with my prize picks. Uh, if you're not yet playing prize picks and you're listening to this, you know, join the group. Many of you have made prize picks accounts and have been wagering on the over overs and unders there that they post, uh, not just for Wolves games, but for, you know, all the NBA games, all NFL, whatever, everything. It, it's all there for daily fantasy, just in set up stats with over unders. Uh, many of you has, have also gotten a free hundred bucks uh, in a sign up bonus when you have created a prize picks account. You can do that. Uh, you get your hundred bucks. I mean, if you're gonna sign up, you know, you might as well take the hundred. Use promo code Dane uh, when you do make that account. Um, if you're already have already created a Prize Picks account, I appreciate um, you guys doing that. Thank you. Get your friends to play along with you as well. Just download the Prize Picks app. Use promo code Dane for a hundred dollars extra when you sign up. Uh, that's about all I got for you tonight. The Wolves are now ten and ten, which is the same record as the Sixers. And next up is the Pacers on Monday. Uh, I appreciate you all being patient with no pods at the end of this last week. I was out of town for Thanksgiving, so I obviously missed that Wolves heat game. I watched it after the fact. was bummed I didn't get to talk to you all about that one. Just bummed I wasn't there. That game, it, it, it looked like a, a blast. But we've still got... 62 more Wolves games this season, plenty more Wolves to talk about, and we'll do that starting on Monday. Back in the routine, I'll, I'll be back after Monday's game, and then I'll have Brit for you on Tuesday. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving, and I'll talk to you in a few days. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.